Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, New York? What's going on, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. We are 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden right here in New York City. Welcome to the program. We have a phone line, a whole bunch of phone lines that are open for you guys. So join the conversation, 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-WABC. Now, the Senate just narrowly passed the COVID-19 relief bill after a really long night. They were sleepless in Seattle as the Dems were doing what they could to pass the bill. We talked a little bit about that last night when I was on, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. But we're also going to talk about what the heck is going on at the border with all these unaccompanied minors, and why is it that there's such a quote-unquote influx, according to Jen back pasaki and we're going to check in with her in a little bit, plus all of these new laws that are coming out that are restricting people from their constitutional right to own a firearm. You can do simple things, misdemeanor offenses, and these misdemeanors will cost you your ability to own a gun, permanent lifetime gun bans. We're going to do that at the bottom of the hour with Maj Ture. He's the founder of Black Guns Matter, and he was uh, my colleague, the moderator of the uh, CPAC panel that I did last week. So if you didn't check that out, please check it out at Rich Valdez with an S on all of our social media. But first, I want to get into the uh, COVID-19 relief bill, because this is the one where obviously we've got small businesses that are suffering. They, they're they looking for people to try to get people back to work, and the Senate comes in, and the Senate's like, you know, and obviously all of Congress – they're saying, well, you know what? Let's give more money out. And with all of this more money that's being given out, you create this prolonged situation of unemployment. People who would say, you know what? I'd rather stay home. There's more money for me being at home than there is going back to work. This is problematic, and this is something that Trump fought against because why on earth would we want to incentivize – I don't want to say laziness, but not working – why would we want to incentivize that? Well, obviously, there's no reason to do that but for the Democrats continuing to appeal to people that want to be taken care of by the government. There's a group of people who want the government to be their daddy. I see that your calls are coming in. We're going to get to those in a moment. We're also going to talk about what's going on at the border. But the issue here, I think, is they say people are hurting, right? This is uh, Senator Bernard Sanders, a quote from Bernie Sanders. He says, people are hurting. And today we respond. That's my best Bernie. You know, I usually warm up with my Bernie saying, Denmark, healthcare is a right. And then once I get into that, then I could do it. But um, that's what Bernie has to say. Now, of course, Mitch McConnell says, oh, well, the Senate has never spent two trillion dollars in a more haphazard way. 
or through a less rigorous process. And that's um, GOP leader Mitch McConnell, Republican of Kentucky. That he's, This is his commentary before the vote. But nonetheless, it happened. They went 27 hours straight. And this is something, obviously, Democrat, Democrats have been trying to do to push this, what they consider, landmark legislation over the finish line for a hot minute. Now, of course, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer... I got to come up with a good name for Chuck Schumer. I mean, it's, you know, he's he's the butt of all jokes and I haven't come up with a good one for him. So we will. We'll work on that together. But Chuck Schumer says he was determined to power through on Saturday to finish the bill that would deliver another round of fourteen hundred dollars stimulus checks, extend three hundred dollar per week unemployment benefits and offer more food and child care and rental assistance to struggling Americans. Now, listen, you got to help people where they're where the help is needed. But what we don't want to do is create a government dependency program that is better than work. Obviously, if that's the case, less people are going to want to work. And this, to me, is one of the problems that we have with the the, uh, whole idea of universal basic income or UBI. This UBI idea that we're just going to pay you to exist because, you know what, you pay taxes, so you might as well. Now, some people think, well, you know, it's kind of like a rebate. Here's the thing. Not every taxpayer is getting this rebate. So, you know, in effect, you're getting a rebate on my taxes, which I don't necessarily support, which is why I am a supporter of the flat tax. The flat tax to me is one of those things that we should really embrace in America because that is how we can actually have some equity. That seems to be the buzzword lately, the equity. We would really have equity or equality or whatever, radical egalitarianism if you want. But charging somebody the same amount of percentage-wise, 10%, 15%, 26%, whatever that is, but across the board. So whether you made $10 billion this year or you made $10 this year, you're paying the same percentage of tax. This progressive um, tax system that we have, in my opinion, is a flawed one and creates a permanent, I guess, a permanent uh, program for poverty. And poverty is not something that we should really embrace as something that we should have as permanent We don't want to have it as a staple. We don't want to perpetuate that. But that's what's happening right now in Washington. And this is according to foxnews.com. So I'm wondering, what are your thoughts? Should we be giving out these COVID-19 relief checks? And as you know, one of the problems that we faced with this check was that some of them were going to households that were mixed with respect to residents and you know, citizens and some that were non-citizens. So in effect, you may have a household that has an illegal alien in it or someone that is uh, potentially not eligible to get it. And this kind of does away with that and says, you know what, everybody's getting these 1400 bucks. So I don't know. I don't know that I, I love this bill. I don't think I do. I do think we need to help the people, but I think we could have done it a better way. You tell me. Phone number is 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Joe in Brooklyn. Joe, what's on your mind? Uh, yes, uh, hello. Uh, when they when the Democrats proposed this this uh, this one point nine, the uh, rep- a Republican I, I called Nicole Maliotakis's office said, "Why didn't she stand up and say, you know what? We'll we'll go for the one. I'll go for the one point nine. I'll support it. Give everybody ten thousand dollars. Give every citizen ten thousand dollars, and then we'll we'll spend the rest on your your BS." and knock them back on their heels, and they wouldn't know whether to take a, a crap or go blind. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us how you really feel, Joe. I appreciate that. Well, I think uh, you're right. I, you have to uh, hold people accountable, and the way to do that is to contact your, your legislators. I can't speak for uh, Congresswoman Meliotakis. I can say 
that they don't have the majority. So it's going to be difficult. And this bill did just pass on party lines. So Republicans were not embracing this thing. I mean, I think everybody went into this kicking and screaming, at least on the Republican side. And it's one of those things that this is what happens when they have a majority. And it's a it's a tough thing, but we're going to have to put up with this until we replace those members of Congress and we replace those people that are part of the establishment. We replace the people in the media. And I think that is ultimately where we need to keep our focus. We have to remain focused on changing the things that we don't like, not just complaining about them. And everybody does have a role. You know, oftentimes in talk radio, people call and they're like, you know what? That's great. You guys in talk radio, you do a great job of, you know, uh, restating the obvious. In effect, that is uh, a big part of our jobs. I don't think anybody ever said, hey, we're going to come here and provide every solution and, you know, do that for you. I think that's part of the American ingenuity that we, we look forward to, right? Isn't it a great idea that we say, hey, look, this is what we're observing from the information that we've collected and what say you? So with that being said, I think um, we're going to take another one. Let's go to John and Nanuet. John, what's on your mind? Rich, who are you uh, identifying? I want you to tell me who's being incentivized. You said people are being incentivized to stay home, okay, and not work. Oh, that's very simple. I do not. Okay, hang on. My turn. So what happens here is you have people that are going to make more money with the public funds that are coming their way than you have people that would have been working. And that's that's pretty simple. If you're going to make more money staying home, not working, you're being incentivized to stay home. I mean, that's pretty clear as day. Even you should understand that. I don't understand I that. Clearly, you don't understand it. You can barely get a sentence out. But listen, we appreciate your thoughts. I appreciate your call. It's always nice to hear from John from Nanuet. Even if it's not so nice to hear from him, hey, we welcome you to call. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Joe in Orange County. Joe. Yeah, how you doing? Uh, what I don't understand is this, that these liberals want to control everybody. But nobody's figured that out yet. That's why they want to give all these big incentive packages, and everyone's going to stay home and lollygag and, and play their video games and watch TV. But what bothers me is that how this Joe Biden wants to let 34 million illegal immigrants into this country, okay? He wants to give them full medical insurance, okay? While meanwhile, we have people who fought world wars for this country and gave you the freedom you have today eating out of the garbage pail. Does it make any sense? Uh, Yeah, listen. Listen, Joe, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Our priorities are skewed. This is why so many people liked what President Trump brought to the table because he made it really simple. He said, you know what? America first. Put the country first. Put put we the people first. Now, Joe, I want to ask you a question. Um, How often do you get out to Nanuet? Uh, I pass every day. I, I, I live in Orange County, and I go to Manhattan. All right. When you go through an annuet, I want you to find John, who just called in a few minutes ago. He has a tough time formulating sentences, and he doesn't get simple arithmetic. So if you see John, just help him out. Give him a lesson on civics and on his patriotic duty, will you? His problem is, is that he's one of those liberals, okay? And he's wrapped up in all this crap, which I don't understand, is that people did not vote for Joe Biden. They didn't vote for President Trump. You know why? Because he voices his opinion. Well, you know what? This country has has not done so well in so many years. I mean, you finally had everybody in check. China, uh, Iran, the borders. You had everything in it was everything was being finally controlled. And, and, and nobody- You're right, Joe. 
Uh, I, I totally agree with you. We had immigration. We finally it took us forever to get that under control at the border, and we did. We put China in check. You're right. Even uh, we had this audio. Maybe I'll play it again later when we come back, we, where the uh, Secretary Raimondo said, well, the Trump administration's policies were effective. I mean, even they admit what's going on. Even they admit that the influx, as they call it, everybody's calling it a border crisis, but what they're calling it, they're saying that, you know what, this is their fault. So keep it locked right there. More to come straight ahead. We are just getting started. I am Rich Valdez. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. There's all this talk about immigration and people coming from other places, but so often we forget about what's happening right here in Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Manhattan, Westchester. And if you're a landlord in the Bronx, in Queens, in Brooklyn, Manhattan, or Westchester, having a tenant problem, then you want to listen to this. Because if your tenant has stopped paying rent, if the city's targeting your property for endless fines and violations, and you don't know who to call for help, don't fret. I got the answer. Finally, there's an organization that's here to help you. The National Homeowner Landlord Association in the Pelham Bay section of the Bronx. It's a nonprofit dedicated to helping the small landlord, just like you. They've got everything. They've got the time and the resources to help you with housing court, evictions, Department of Buildings issues, HPD violations, small claims court, civil court, property management, maintenance, and repairs. They've got it all. With a network of attorneys, architects, expediters, process servers, and licensed contractors, They'll help you with your insurance agents, anything you need, CPAs, accountants. They're going to help you get possession of your property and get the property ready to rent. Find a tenant, and most importantly, collect the money that's due to you. The association will help you get your property back to find a tenant and help you start making money again. So if you're a landlord, go to homeownerlandlord.org. Excuse me, that's homeownerlandlord.org, homeownerlandlord.org. Now, everybody's... Up in arms about things, and welcome back, by the way. Welcome back, everybody. This is Rich Valdez. This is America. Our phone number, I'm going to give that to you just in case you want to sneak a call in, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. And even the White House now is admitting their role, right, that their policies are causing an influx in unaccompanied minors at the border. Speaking of reporters at the White House on Friday, Jen Psaki, she acknowledged, and you know her, Jen Pacircle back Pasaki, silent P., she says, you know, the big difference, which we understand um, the outcome may be an influx of more children. If you were kicking children out, there's naturally by design, there's going to be more children that come in. Pasaki Pased. But, you know, I want you to hear it because it's always so much more illustrious when Jen Pasircle back Pasaki says it herself. Now, this one's a little bit long. If I get bored, I'll cut it off. But I want you to hear it in the full context because nobody dances around and circles around a question like Jen Pasircle back Pasaki. Check this out. I wonder, um, you know, given some of the president's rhetoric on the campaign trail and as president and some of the policies that he instituted, including rolling back some of the immigration policies of the Trump era, is, is he concerned at all that some of his rhetoric and some of his policies may have, as well-intentioned as they may have been, inadvertently contributed to the rise in uh, migrants that we're seeing at the border, in particular unaccompanied children? And does he have any intention to more forcefully tell those individuals that now is not the time to come, as the Secretary of Homeland Security said? Sure, and, and as the secretary also said last week, was that last week? It feels, I'm not sure. I don't know. It may have been this week. It, um, 
The sec- as the secretary said, um, this is a, a message we are conveying with every opportunity uh, from the president, the vice president, uh, from uh, officials in the region. Uh, and we're doing that with the full support, of course, of the Department of Homeland Security and uh, resources that we have available. Uh, I will say the, that the big difference, which we certainly understand the outcome, may be an influx, as we've seen, of more children. If you were kicking children out, there's naturally by uh, design, I'm no mathematician, but going to be more children who come in uh, because uh, we believe that policy was inhumane and we believe that children uh, who are under the age of 18 should be treated uh, with humanity and and provided safety uh, while we consider what the process is moving forward. So we certainly right, have a this different approach. Yet? We understand done, well, let's, the let's end it Because I mean, I think everybody's falling asleep here. Jen Pacircle back. She just, she gets you dizzy. It's like that little Tweety Bird that runs around after they hit you in the cartoon. You're seeing stars. You're like, what'd you say? Did you answer my question? And it's like... Everybody's just blown away by how she doesn't answer questions. But with that being said, this is what's happening. You've got this crisis at the border. You've got Gina Raimondo, and we're going to get to that in a second, the Secretary of Commerce saying that Trump's policies were, in effect, working. And now we have this new bill, $1.9 trillion. The only thing they weren't able to jam into that bill was the $15 minimum wage. So – your thoughts, 800-848-9222, 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Shelly in Brooklyn. Shelly, what's up? You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, Shelly. Yeah, thanks. Hi, thanks, man. Um, so talking about that $300 a week unemployment benefit, and you say it might be an incentive, uh, 300 bucks a week is $15,600 a year. What kind of job is that to look forward to? You tell me for the people that are making more money the other way around. Well, fifteen thousand is not even a livable wage, though. Who's going to say? Who? Well, I don't think the purpose you? of unemployment is to be a, a livable wage. I think the point is that when you add all of these extras in there, it's going to make it way more difficult for people to want to go back to work. I'm not the one that's sitting here complaining about people not coming back to work. It's the small business owners saying that you know what we have people that are working part time that don't want to come back. So how do you answer that but for saying let's let people work rather than pay them to stay home? I think it's a pretty simple equation, right, Shelley, or no? No, absolutely not right. I'm on unemployment because of my job. I'm in the entertainment sector, and I want to go to work, but my job's not available. All right. Why not give me the 300 bucks? I'm not saying you shouldn't have it. I'm saying that – If we continue to do packages like these, we are going to continue to incentivize people to stay home and to not work because that's what these things do. It's pretty simple. There's unemployment, and this is unemployment plus. Whether you lose your job in a regular time of year or you lose your job because of the pandemic, to me, it doesn't matter what the reason for. If you're unemployed, you're unemployed. Let's say you make $100,000 a year, and you go to unemployment, and they say, oh, we'll pay you $400 a week. And you go, but hey, I I was making $6,000 a month. That's not a livable wage for me. I live in Westchester. You expect them to say, oh, well, we're sorry, Shelley. We're going to give you exactly what you were making. Of course not. Unemployment was never designed to to meet the same need that you had by employment, full employment. So I think adding to it under the guise of coronavirus, when it's not like you're losing extra money because of coronavirus, you're just losing money because you don't have a job. That's the point that I'm making. It's extra money. And for what? And at a huge cost. That's the point. It's a fallacious argument. It's because of the coronavirus 
and it's going to be another six months before my industry opens up, give me a break. All right. Well, listen, leave your uh, address with the uh, producer. I'll send you a couple of bucks. I'll send you a check, all right? Thanks for your call. Let's go to John in Brooklyn. John. Yeah, I don't I don't like the part about anybody, what are we supposed to do, bring all of China? China just comes here and votes with no ID. Asia comes here and votes no ID. Africa comes in here and votes no ID. Everybody from every continent, they tell us where our money should go, how much it would be taxed. This is ridiculous. Yeah. We, got, we got to run our own country, not letting all these immigrants in here so they could vote and run our country and tell us where our money goes. Well, listen, we, we voted, uh, and again, I say we as America, and again, there's, it's questionable, but the, the president that was sworn in on January 20th, known as Beijing Biden, I mean, they don't call him Beijing Biden for nothing. The guy's friendly to China. Nobody should be voting who is an American. That's the point. I agree with you 100 percent. It makes all the sense in the world. But but this is the issue. I mean, and, and this is what happens. Let's move it on to Jim, Jim in Long Island. What's on your mind, Jim? Uh, yes, uh, I never hear anything about this illegal and in, in investigations about uh, illegal employment where uh, people are still working. And uh, you never hear anything about it. I'm, I'm in Eastern Long Island. I got small papers and everything else. And you hear about this. Uh, I'd, I'd just like to hear something that, you know, the government is, is trying to re- recoup some of this illegal money. Just to clarify, are you saying that people are collecting unemployment and still working off the books in a cash job? Uh, yes. And, and it's well above. It's, I, I believe it's well above the $15, minimum, uh, $15 minimum wage. Uh, Right, right. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Well, if you talk to some uh, yeah. of our callers who are beating me over the head today, uh, they'll tell you that you know what, this is barely enough. We should be, uh, you should be giving them the deed to your house, Jim. Uh, I'm East in Long Island. I, I should move down to West Virginia, and I'm retired. Yeah. Uh, let me get a part-time job for fifteen dollars an hour, and I'm um, I'm a millionaire. Right. <laughs> and you can and you can collect unemployment at the same time. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. All right, let's go to Jack. Jack in Stanford, Connecticut. What's on your mind? Hey, good afternoon. Glad to finally speak to you after hearing you at night and filling in for the great one and everything. And oh, I'd like you, to sir. show the last couple of weeks. It's all good. So thank you. I'm an accountant and um we could add in and first off our boy Shelly, you know, if we open up the entertainment venues, he could get back to work. <laughs> That's my he point. Get his, get his, <laughs> in front of them, but we can get his gig back up at the Catskill Mountains at one of the resorts for the summertime and work and go. The $300 we're talking here, I believe, is on top of the state unemployment also. So it's going from 300 to more, and it's not supposed to really be livable, but it's because they're shut down. Right. And now, now Jack, um, I think for some reason, for whatever reason, people really just don't get this. I can tell you 30 years ago when we had a bit of a tough time, one of my friends, he was a tradesman, and he was offered a job to go back onto his trade, and he said no because at the end of the day, he was collecting more on unemployment than um, out pounding nails. And I took it. I was like, are you not you know, embarrassed or ashamed, a young guy, 20 years old, that you can get a job and you won't go out and earn your keep? You'll just sit around and 
play video games or something until that runs out and you get, you know, whatever the scale was when the economy picked up. That always stuck with me. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not knocking anyone for being on it, but if we opened up the economy, you could eliminate that. I mean, $1.9 trillion. Listen to de Blasio came out and he said he wants to see taxes raised at the federal level because he knows if he or Cuomo raised them, everyone's moving to Florida or now West Virginia's getting rid of their tax, Mississippi. Uh, what is well, it? I mean, it's, I this think? is a classic Reaganomics. You know, you roll back taxes, you, you let people keep more of their money, and guess what they do? They happen to spend it, right? They invest it, they buy homes, they do stuff with it, and then they open small businesses. They give guys like the other callers that call them, they give them a job, they reopen these industries so that people can continue to make money. And it, to me, it's the simplest concept in the world. We don't need the government. Let's shy away from the government. That doesn't mean radically, like, you know, not any single person would ever need any type of government assistance. But by and large, $1.9 trillion, I don't even know how to count that high. I don't even know how many zeros are in that. And most people don't. And that, to me, is a ridiculously large amount of money. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Well, you have it too. Um, you know, you said the flat tax. It's more the fair tax because the yeah. more money you have to spend, then the more you spend, then you pay more taxes because maybe you're buying a $50 million yacht and you, hey, you know, I had the extended front so I could put the helicopter on it. <laughs> you're paying more than someone else. But um, so you get the fair tax there. And finally, also about voter ID and having to show an ID. I can't even go get the Corona COVID shot without showing an ID. right. I think you're spot on, Jack. Everybody keep it locked there. We are uh, coming right back to your calls. Going to get to the uh, what's your beef segment so that you guys can sound off on what you think about this and the other topics we're discussing. Plus, I got some audio for you. And Maj Ture, Black Guns Matter founder, coming up next. This is America. I uh, saw that somebody on the weekend schedule uh, had a show uh, talking about Black Guns Matter. Guy named Maj Touré. Then uh, a little bit after that, I met him at CPAC last year. Cool guy. And then this year, I had the privilege of being on a panel with him uh, at CPAC. And I figured, you know what? I want you guys to hear from Maj. He's an extremely impressive individual. Carries himself in in a really, really um, a great way because I think he makes solid points. And that's the type of thing we all need. We need to learn from people who know exactly what has to be done, how to communicate those ideas, and how to take action as an activist on those ideas. So welcome, Maj Ture, to the program. What's up, Maj? Hey, what's up? What's going on? All right. So uh, I I sent you this article, or maybe I didn't. I don't know. I thought I did. But I wanted to talk about this article in National Review. And really, to me, it's the concept. It's the overall concept. Tell us a little bit about what your thoughts are on how they're continuing to limit gun rights in America. So that's a double-edged sword. Um, Based on the construct of this country, the Bill of Rights is a list of rights that things that government cannot grant and government cannot take away. Mm -hmm. That's the construct of America. We have, you know, the, the, the trifecta of documents being the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. The first on that one being the freedom of speech, the right to say what you feel, right? Um, Government cannot stop you or, like, persecute you for 
having an opinion and expressing an opinion. Second one being the right of the people to keep and bear arms. Government cannot stop you. It is a human natural right. Okay, the Bill of Rights are derived from like human human rights and natural law. Mm-hmm. So they can trick you into believing that, hey, man, if you made a mistake on your taxes and we're going to say you had a misdemeanor, we're going to now say you don't have the right to purchase firearms. That is literally, literally uh, the direct opposite of the framework of America, like literally. Mm-hmm. So I get when people say, well, they can take your rights to keep a- – no, they can't. Uh, uh, and, and if that's the case, then they're saying that the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, and the Declaration of Independence are all treaties or contracts that are no longer valid. And if that's the case, then everything else doesn't have to be valid. If, we, if we're going down that rabbit hole, if right. you're saying that not, – not even like a violent crime, because I could, I could kind of see that, and I disagree sure. even with violent crimes. You know, but I can see that more. But if you, you know, there's certain states that if you bounce a check, right, over $300, you're now a felon. And now that supposedly um, just just bars you from having a firearm to protect your, you know, your your way of life or whatever. So it's a a thin line there. So I want to always try to bring that part up first. Their attempt, a better way of phrasing that would be their attempt to convince you or bluff you into you uh, accepting that you don't have an inalienable right to defend your life because you made a paper mistake or whatever. That attempt is the the gross trick that they're trying to pull off on everybody, Mm. as if government can grant you a human right. You have it by birth. Um, And another example that I kind of give in that regard is, you know, if if, let's say if, you know, a woman, uh, she, she goes to jail, you know, for three months or something like that for tax, whatever, or she goes to jail for whatever. And she gets out of jail and it's clearly BS, but you know, she goes to jail and, but she's now a convicted felon, you know, not, not violent, whatever. She comes home. And then the first night from jail, she, a raper tries to rape her, right. Just tries to like violently rape her. And she, there's a gun around. And let's say the rapist drops his gun. She picks up the gun and she shoots him. Mm Mm-hmm. She's not going to stop just because, well, the government said I cannot pick up this gun. No, she has a human right given by, like, her creator through birth to defend her most prized possession, which is her life, her body, right? Mm -hmm. So when you put it in that context, um, it's just them trying to trick people into this belief that government has power over what you can use to defend yourself. And it's, 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 it's literally, literally uh, the, the biggest contradiction ever based on the framework that we all accept as America. Yeah. Wow. Well put, Maj. So tell us a little bit about Black Guns Matter. And in, in addition to eloquently you know, putting out gun rights, gun laws and stuff like that, what Black Guns Matter uh, does and offers to America? Yeah. So in essence, what we are, we're a basic entry level firearms uh, training and uh, Second Amendment conflict resolution organization. We go to the areas that have the most um, violent crime because usually those are the states that have the most, you know, so-called gun control laws. Mm-hmm. We go to those areas and we just give classes to anybody that wants them for free. Basic firearm handling, basic uh, anatomy, uh, safety rules, as well as conflict resolution, de-escalation, and it sometimes turns into a bit of uh, political conversation or at least education about the political process. Um, we raised at this point maybe a bit over $390,000 for the last three years. And we've given that money away to make sure that these classes happen because the classes are free to all. 
Um, we recognize that if we want people to be involved in the political process, we have to tell them about it, you know, especially in these, you know, high crime areas, again, that do have all of the gun control laws, right? So take Chicago, for example. The people of Chicago need to know exactly why they need to have a firearm to defend themselves should they choose to. They need to know something simple as the government cannot grant or take that right away. It's been proven, you know, um, D.C. versus Heller, uh, McDonald versus uh, Chicago, all these different cases that basically say this is the construct of America um, and this is why this is important to you, too. In these areas, there's, it's marketed differently. It's presented to urban America like, you know, that's just for them crazy white people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They'll remove, they'll remove uh, you know, civics from urban schools or now schools in general in America. Mm-hmm. But they'll try to package it like you don't have a – if you're a citizen of this place. And if I'm not a citizen, then I'm not bound by any of those rules anyway, none of them. So, you know, they can pick their poison in that regard. Our job is to inform people about, you know – the, the act, their actual human and natural rights. And it obviously, you know, ties to the Second Amendment because if you don't have the means to defend your rights or your life or your values, then you may not even have any, you know. So yeah. that's what our um, organization does. Um, again, we completely crowdfunded. Uh, we are completely, um, you know, supported by and work for the people. We have no fancy bosses. We have, you know, 300 million bosses. And, uh, and that's, that's the work that we do. All right. We're on with Maj Ture. That's M-A-J-T-O-U-R-E, at Maj Ture on Twitter. And, now, Maj, let's uh, circle it back, like Jen Psaki would say, to uh, how does Biden fit into this, right? He takes office and he says, we will end the NRA. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that's more of a direct assault on all gun owners in America. So it's, it's a tricky thing there with the NRA. So the, the fact that someone's even saying we're going to end the NRA, I mean, like this, I mean, it, it sounds weird, but there's so many contradictions involved in that. Um, one of those contradictions. Can you hear me? Yep, I got you. Okay. One of those contradictions being the NRA at, at best usually has maybe four or five million members across America, right? Four or five million. In that same time frame, there's at any given moment 100 million gun owners in America. That means they only have 4 or 5% of memberships from 4 or 5% mm-hmm. of gun-owning Americans, right? So when they say we will end the NRA, that's, that's to, like, make the NRA, who has been behind most of the uh, – since the 1960s, has been behind or in support of all of the national gun control laws across America. Now, that's not a badge of honor. That – you know, them, the NRA being complicit, hence them only having four or five million gun owners out of 100 million that we know of. Now, their, their business model is their business model. I'm not knocking them. I think there's great things that they do. There's some things that are questionable to me, right? Like the getting behind the Mulford Act in the 1960s in California, all of that different stuff. Now, when outside of that, when you have someone saying we're going to end the NRA, two things happen. One, you're just going to decentralize, and which is great. Because then more people will see the attack on the NRA. And even if they're not members, they'll get more supportive of their local, maybe even state um, gun rights organizations and support them. Those organizations could use those resources tremendously. Um, And the other thing is it just exposes that 
this is a personal attack. The NRA, regardless of how anybody feels about them, right, wrong, or indifferent, have promoted safety, safe and responsible gun ownership, as well as they haven't there, – there hasn't been a mass shooter, you know, which only makes up 1% of all shootings, right? There hasn't been an NRA member being a mass shooter. Like, the criminals aren't, like, members of gun organizations. Right. Safe and responsible gun owners aren't, like, paying dues and learning the, sa- the, the basic four rules of firearm safety or any of those things. Bad guys are bad guys. So it just exposes that these guys are saying these things, making it personal, which is, like you said, an attack on actual gun owners. It's, so we're not talking about closing the revolving door and recidivism rates and all of that. We're not talking about rehabbing you know, violent criminals to make them productive members of society and making the people that they violated whole. We're not putting our energy there. We're focusing on the NRA when the vast majority of NRA members right, are law-abiding Responsible right. gun owners. It's, it's backwards. Right. It's completely it's inconsequential. Backwards. Makes right. a lot of sense. It, it, yeah, it just doesn't make sense in, in the regard of how they're doing it. You know what I mean? All right, Maj Ture, um, let everybody know where they could find you and uh, support what you're doing, your website and all of that. Yeah, um, if anybody listening to the conversation today um, really, really understands what we're doing and they and know knows that urban America has been targeted because it's, it's a higher population of people. If you want to control a state, you can, you know, control a big city, such as Philadelphia, that has over one million inhabitants. No other city in the state of Pennsylvania has that many population. But if they make rules for there, they'll try to influence that in the capital. So my point is, if you understand the importance of getting um, a, a, a shift in political trends in these urban centers centered around the Second Amendment, please support our work because this is what we do. You can't have a conversation about the Second Amendment in urban America and safe, responsible gun ownership without having a conversation about someone's political choices and why they went that way. Because if they're a gun owner, they're going to start, you know, going like, wait a minute, the guy that I was voting for, this guy's saying I shouldn't have a gun. Maybe I should look deeper into that, you know. So if you understand the importance of that, please support our work. Again, we are completely crowdfunded. Um, the, the, it's all, you know, fully transparent. They are tax-deductible donations. You do get an email and all that other good stuff. And that's just our website, gofundme.com forward slash Black Guns Matter. We've raised about a little under $400,000 over the last few years and gave it away to make sure that these locations, the papers, the, the you know, flying attorneys out or things of that nature, everything that goes along with events. I mean, at this point, we've done hundreds upon hundreds of events. Yeah. Um, but all of that's paid for by the people. So if you want to support that, GoFundMe.com forward slash Black Guns Matter. All right, everybody, that is Maj Ture. I encourage you to go check out their website, follow them on Instagram and all of that stuff, as well as put your hand in your pocket and make a donation if you believe in supporting the Second Amendment across urban cities across America. Maj, thank you for joining us today, brother. Thanks, Rich. I appreciate you. You got it, man. Take care. God bless. Up next, we're going to get to your calls, plus the latest of what's coming on, going on in Washington. Keep it locked right there. Rich Valdez, Talk Radio 77, WABC. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. But you do believe that there may be, that part of that rise is due to some of your policies and, and rhetoric of this administration. I certainly didn't say that exactly, but all I'm conveying is that um, obviously we're going to have more kids across the in the country since we have been letting unaccompanied minors stay in the last administration. Uh, 
immorally kick them out, in our view. Well, there we have it. The influx, the border crisis, unaccompanied minors. This We haven't seen this in about six years since, oh, guess what? Joel Baboso Biden was in charge back then, along with his um, cohort, the president then, Barack Obama. And we've got a whole lot of crisis. That's the best word to use. You've got these detention centers or migrant camps or whatever they want to be called, places where people who are sneaking into the country have to stay and await their next processing or do their quarantine and whatever. So it could be an orphanage. It's whatever you want to call it. But these places are nearing capacity. Some are at capacity. And there's more people coming. You have Secretary Mallorca saying, I'm not telling you not to come. Just don't come now. All that being said, I want to know what's your beef, what are your thoughts on this. Let's go to Kathy in Fort Lee. Kathy, you're on with Rich Valdez. Yes, hi, Rich. Hi. The, the, um, I wanted to bring out there's probably close to 500,000 American kids, orphans, living in orphanages that are so underserved and so in need of help. And this new disastrous policy at the border is totally disregarding our kids. I want my tax money to go to American kids that need help. But yeah. why we're opening up the borders in this disastrous way to, and handing out, shelling out money is outrageous. And Biden should be ashamed of himself. You're right. I mean, listen, Kathy, I agree with you. And, and so many people speculate as to why they do this. Is it truly humanitarian? Do they really have these bleeding hearts? I say probably not. I think there's uh, other motives. Maybe they're ulterior and, and sinister. Maybe they're just stupidity. I don't know. But I do know I think they're trying to uh, just replace the the voting population so they can have more people that will vote for them. They're playing – it's like a political football, you know, and they think if we get them citizenship, they'll be loyal to us for generations. It's a power grab. I think that's one way of looking at it. Other ways of looking at it is, you know, you they, they may have whatever interest in bringing – these individuals into America, maybe they're being um, kind of leveraged in one way or another by these foreign governments saying, look, we need to get our people in there and, and we're doing this. And, you know, th- there's always been speculation that, you know, there's such an appetite for uh, at least illicit and illegal drugs in America and by way of the southern border that this is one of those things you turn a blind eye to to allow it to happen. I don't know the answer to any of those things, but I do know that uh, massive unchecked immigration is detrimental to the United States. And I agree with you 100 percent. We should put American kids first, America first all the time. You help somebody else once you've helped yourself. Thank you for your call, Kathy. Let's go to Mike in the Bronx. Mike, what's going on? Hi, um, Rich. Um, I have like three stories. Uh, I'll go with the simplest one. Sure. Um, I know a defense lawyer. Uh, his name is uh, Riopel, or Ronald Riopel. And uh, he, he was representing a man about 65 years old who had uh, done a paper kind of felony. And he all he wanted uh, was to have a shotgun so he could get back to being a champion sh- skeet shooter. Wow. And uh, Riopel was in the process of going to the White House asking for a pardon so that this old man could shoot skeet. Yeah, something as simple that. as just sport shooting. And it's uh, it's un- it's in question, and it's it's unfortunate. I, I get it. You know, it- these are things that you have to th- look at some of these cases on a case by case basis because 
I agree. When you have some, somebody tells me, look, they've taken away my right to drive. I say, well, you know what? Who has an actual like constitutionally protected right to drive? Now, some people will say that, you know, that's that's infringing on your liberty. I would say, look, I think that, you know, you take away my right to speech. You take away my right to pray uh, or any of these, you know, what we talked about with Maj Ture, the, the Bill of Rights. Then, yeah, we have a serious problem. And I think um, – not I think I know. The second one right after speech and prayer <laughs> is is the Second Amendment. It's the right to keep and bear arms. So I think you're, you're right, Mike. And you know, it's a shame that your friend went through what he went through. But this is why I think we have to continue to have these conversations so that people realize what's going on. And it's about replacing the problems that we see, not just complaining about them, but people actually taking uh, – steps and actions toward that, you know, running for office at the local level, at the at the state level, and of course, at the federal level eventually, because that's the way you make those changes. And without that, we don't get anywhere. But I think you're right. Let's go to um, Ray in the Bronx. Ray, what's going on, Ray? How are you, Rich? Uh, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I just sir. wanted to make a point. Why is the, are they sending stimulus checks to people who are retired, like myself, or on Social Security. I have two pensions, and they still send me and my wife checks. Listen, I, I believe it's vote buying, right? I mean, this is the simplest way of bribing people is sending them money. Now, I get it when when, when they initially did this. And honestly, I, I, while I say I get it, I understood it. But uh, I tend to not always be in favor of these things. And I understood when it was the height of the coronavirus pandemic and everybody, you know, I was riding the bus by myself, riding the subway by myself. Nobody was out here in the city. I get it. You know, there was a, there was a massive crunch and people needed help quickly and badly. Uh, but we I think a lot of people are back. I'm looking out the window right now. I'm on Third Avenue. And listen, there's cabs going today. You know, during the week, not so much, but at least the weekends, it's a little bit busier. So the economy's definitely picking up. Definitely not where we were. And I agree with you. You gotta you gotta watch where you're sending this money. You gotta send it to the people that need it. And there should even be an opt in or an opt out. You know, like, hey, do you need it? Do you want it? No, great, keep it. We shouldn't just be sending money around willy nilly. But I think to make it that difficult uh, to them or that simple, that idea of do you want it or do you don't want it, makes it difficult for them. And they're like, oh, I don't know if we could do that. You know, we've, it's either all or nothing. And I think that's the way that the government does it. And ultimately, I think they just want to uh, take credit for saying, hey, look, when you were down and out, we sent you that extra money. Even if you didn't need it, take a vacation. Who knows, Ray, but I appreciate your call. Let's go to Bob in Rockland County. Bob, quickly. Hi. Hey, how are you? That's good. You? Good. What's on your mind, Bob? I had a question. A lot of guys at work, they're like all talking about Biden, you know, and I, I don't get it because they put a man in power and you have the Democrats and the Republicans. Don't they have anything like over him to say, you know, you, you're going all about it the wrong way. Yeah, I think that overhead you're talking about, that oversight committee is known as we the people. And I think that's why so many people feel cheated by the last election. They feel that, you know, it, it didn't end up the way it was supposed to. And uh, this is, I think, why we get a do-over in 2022, and we definitely get another do-over in 2024. And I know that Americans that are awake and paying attention are not going to make the same mistake again. So I'm not going to be able to get to Mike and Monroe wanted to to check in with everybody, but I hate leaving people on hold, but I do thank you. And whether it's the COVID relief bill or or this open door policy with immigration at the border, whether it's canceling 
the the current culture and attacking, you know, even self-attack, right? You know, putting pressure on people so that the publisher of Dr. Seuss wants to self-edit and say, now listen, I'm not saying they shouldn't have the right to, to free speech. Of course they should. But the issue is we're promoting a culture where we're trying to tell everybody, hey, listen, each and every last one of you is a racist. Each and every last one of you needs to depend on the government. And each and every last one of you should not have the right to keep and bear arms. And all of that stuff is false. So... Keep it locked right here, 77 WABC. I'm Rich Valdez. Hasta la próxima. Take care. God bless. And I'll be back next Saturday. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.